On August 2, 2006, Robert Wan was murdered while staying with friends in a Washington, D.C. townhome. The residents of the house, Joseph Price, Victor Zaborski, and Dylan Ward, all claim that an unknown intruder broke into the home and perpetrated this heinous act. Nothing was out of place and nothing was stolen from the valuable townhome that the murder took place in. The scene of the crime was unlike anything police or paramedics had encountered before and probably since. Was there actually an intruder in the home or did one of the residents have a hand in murdering Robert? I'm Colby. I'm here with my two best friends, Laura and Marina, and this is Grim. On Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. All right, episode 10, we've made it into oh. double digits. I think that makes us legit, right? Oh, yeah. Now too legit to quit, if you will. <laughs> facts. Yes, facts. Um, so for today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I was chatting with my sister a couple weeks ago, and she asked me if we'd ever do an unsolved murder, mm. to which I said, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. because that's right on brand for me and my twisted sister, who used to cheer <laughs> for the unsolved murders. Yes. I'm, except I'm pre-mad about it. I'm pre-mad about how pre-mad? frustrated I'm okay. going to be. I'm very sorry about that. Mm, not okay. to be confused with pre-med. I'm not, not I'm not pre-med. I would, no, I would not I, cut it in medical school with my insane fear of needles. Just that would be kind of problematic. I, I would think. flunk out immediately. <laughs> so as soon as my sister requested this, I, I knew that I had to do this specific case. I have been obsessed with it since I first heard it on Crime Junkie like several years ago now. Mm-hmm. I think I was taking a road trip somewhere. Um, and I stumbled across this case. And I think you guys are going to be just as fascinated by the time that we're done. I'm so excited. I'm ready. It is truly a bizarre story. So um, before we jump into it, I do want to say for my research this time, I did listen to a couple of other podcasts. So I want to give a shout out to the Mile Higher podcast and Mm -hmm. to Case File. Um, Both of them had a ton of really great information. I also read a 14 page arrest warrant. I won't say whose arrest warrant it is because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, And I read a blog called whomurderedrobertwan.com. Check it out. That's catchy. Also, (laughs) my Google search history was far more normal for most of this case. But what I went to Reddit for was not. <laughs> not at all. Oh, no. we'll, we'll get there in time. Isn't that what Reddit is for? <laughs> Sketchy it, searches? This, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> Two purposes. Yeah. All right. So Robert Eric Wan was born on June 1st, 1974 in Brooklyn, New York. Robert attended a private Catholic school and was very passionate about politics from a young age. I don't know many 15-year-olds that are super into politics. Model UN. Model that UN. That type. He did have other interests, though, Um, like baseball. He was a huge baseball fan. He loved the Mets. He and his family would always go to Mets games. Um, And he played baseball as a kid. 
I thought it was funny because I saw that, you know, he was one of the smallest players on the team, but he was described as having the most heart. Oh, so like that. me being a diehard Red Sox fan, mm. this reminded me of Dustin Pedroia. So yes. that's sort of the image that I have in my head when I think of Robert Juan, which doesn't match up for several reasons. <laughs> um, I digress. Um, he went to college at William and Mary, where he was a Monroe scholar. I had to look up what this was because I was sure it was prestigious, but I didn't know what the designation meant. So um, it's a program for the most academically distinguished undergraduates at the college, and hmm. only about 10% of their undergrads get to be part of this program. Wow. So he's That's very a, smart. Yeah, it's impressive he was doing that too with sports. Mm. He was not playing baseball in college. He just oh. played baseball, like like kind of how I just played kidding. softball as a kid. Yeah, Just kidding. Mm. But you not also, impressive. No. <laughs> There was some Retracted. sort. There was some sort of like service component that went along with it too. Like you oh. couldn't just be smart; you had to be a good person. Oh, um, and we're going to talk about how he was a really good person. Gets me oh. every time. I know. So while he was at William and Mary, which he absolutely loved William and Mary, um, Robert had a very close knit group of friends. He was interesting and caring and considerate, and he was just an all around good, wholesome guy. And he wanted to do good in the world. Good, like, never letting a friend's birthday go by without getting them a card. Oh, I know. Good, like, putting money in a random parking meter so people wouldn't get a ticket. Oh. Okay, this is, like, the most wholesome man. Right? Yeah. Good, like, organizing a group of volunteers to help out the former president of his university when he found out he was struggling with deteriorating health. Oh, jeez. Mm. I could continue, but I, I won't. <laughs> I think you guys are getting the point. Robert was an amazing human being. Yeah. He did graduate from William and Mary in 1996, and he went to the University of Pennsylvania Law School. He graduated from law school in 1999 and got a job working as a law clerk. After that, he worked in commercial real estate law for six years as an attorney at Covington and Burling. Um, Robert was super committed to serving his community. I don't think that comes as a surprise. Mm, no. um, he often volunteered his legal services for causes near and dear to him, such as the Organization of Chinese Americans, Latin American Youth Center, and the Museum of Chinese in America. Wow, he's making me feel real bad about myself. <laughs> yeah, I do not have the same kind of extracurricular activities that Robert no. did. No, and he was wow. a lawyer, too. Yeah, that's very impressive. Yes. In January of 2002, Robert was attending a conference in Philly where he met a woman named Catherine Yu. Uh, she actually was instructed by her boss at the American Bar Association to invite Robert to be a panelist for the conference. Um, and she said that she was immediately drawn to him and she just found all kinds of excuses to talk to him during oh. the conference. The feeling was mutual because shortly after the conference, he tracked her down and the two went out for dinner. Aww. A couple weeks later, they met for Valentine's Day. And from that moment on, they were in a long distance relationship. She lived in Chicago and Robert lived in the D.C. Mm -hmm. area. It was hard, right? Long distance relationships yep. are really hard to make work. Um, but they figured it out. They talked on the phone every night and they saw each other three times a month, which kudos to them. Yeah. That's a yeah, lot. That's not bad. So they made do. Um, Kathy, right, as she went by, she did have a secret she was keeping from Robert. She had lupus, or I guess Aww. has lupus. Um, and in fact, she had been living with lupus since she was in junior high. She didn't initially tell him about it because she was afraid he would break things off with her. And yeah. she really liked him and she could see a future together. I don't know if maybe her condition was a deal breaker for other men in the past. It That's sounded awful. like it might have been. Did she not immediately hear the history that you just yeah. gave about Robert? Because that would be the last thing that I would think for this yeah. human being. No, I don't. I don't think she got the exact same intro to him. That he I would start. He, he would like start a lupus foundation Seriously. to fundraise money to cure it instead of breaking up with her. 
So I think you guys know where this is going. Robert, being the perfect little soul that he was, responded to this news by inviting Kathy on a month-long vacation to China with him and his family. Total opposite of what she thought was going to happen. So this made her feel like, okay, he's in it for the long haul with me. We do really have something special here. When they got back from their trip in June of 2002, just six months after meeting her, he proposed. Oh, I was hoping. And of course, she said yes. They were married a year later, and Kathy moved to the D.C. area to live with Robert. And they lived happily ever after. The (laughs) end. The end. Next Next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish that he had a happily ever after. Yeah, the ending is a lot more grim. And the ending is a lot more grim, so stay tuned, guys. Um, Because of Kathy's condition, she it would have been life-threatening for her to carry a child. So they had actually oh. been talking about adoption, which, again, what a perfect, supportive yeah. man he was. Love him. Kathy and Robert, as I had mentioned, they both lived in the D.C. area, so they actually lived in a suburb um, in Virginia, and they mm-hmm. both worked in D.C. By the late summer of 2006, Robert was ready for a new challenge, so he took a new position as general counsel for Radio Free Asia. So he's leaving his commercial real estate law behind, and he's kind of moving on to international mm. communications law. Okay. Two very different subject matters, I would say. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what Radio Free Asia is, it is a U.S. government-funded nonprofit news service that broadcasts radio programs and publishes online news, information, and commentary for audiences in Asia. I knew that. <laughs> Did you? Very familiar. Very familiar. Very with impressive. Radio Free Asia. Radio Free. I don't know. Like Radio Disney is kind of yeah. what I was going yeah. through my head. Yeah. A little different. We just have to sing in every episode. Like, I just can't help it. Mandatory. I, I did see that it was actually a really big pay cut for Robert from his last job, but it just made him so happy to be oh. working on something he was passionate about that he and his wife just kind of said, you know what? It's worth it. Like for your happiness, just do it. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Wow. I know. So I had mentioned that international communications law was his new kind of area of focus, um, and he didn't really have a lot of background in it. So he decided he was going to take some night classes so he could, you know, brush up. Sure. Speaking of those night courses, on the night of August 2nd, 2006, that's exactly what Robert was doing. He was attending his night class. A couple weeks prior, he and Kathy had talked about how with his schedule, it didn't really make a lot of sense for him to commute back home to Virginia on this particular night. So he was going to try to find a friend to stay with. Sure. He first asked a female friend if he could stay the night with her, but she was busy and said she couldn't host him. He then asked his friend Joseph Price if he could crash at his place, and Joseph was very happy to allow his college buddy a place to crash. And that's exactly what happened. Robert finished up his night classes, he called his wife to let her know he was out of class, and he headed to visit the night crew at the RFA offices. Um, Just for time check, this was right around 9.30 p.m. After a brief visit with the night crew, he called Joseph Price at 10.24 p.m. and let him know he was grabbing a cab and was going to be over shortly. It is never good when we give exact times or dates. (laughs) It just means things are not going well. They're escalating. (laughs) Yeah. It is escalating. So Joseph Price, uh, he lived in a townhouse in the Logan Circle neighborhood of D.C., which was about a mile away from the White House, so it's a very desirable location. He didn't live alone. He lived with his partner of nine years, Victor Zaborski, and another man named Dylan Ward. There actually was a fourth person who lived in the basement apartment of the townhouse. Her name was Sarah, but she was away the night all of this is occurring, so we're going to leave her out of the conversation largely. Um, A little bit about the men who lived in the house. Joseph was a partner at an internationally renowned law firm, 
and a director slash general counsel for a nonprofit that supported LGBTQ causes. These are some okay. impressive people. Yes, they are. Jeez. Victor, at the time, was the director of marketing for the Milk Processors Education Program. Okay. And you guys are all familiar with his work, actually. Victor was part of the group that came up with the Got Milk campaign. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Nailed it. Wow. To round out the household, um, Dylan held a culinary degree and had a master's in children's literature. He wrote and published children's books and worked with Joseph at the nonprofit. What do you think the combined IQ of that townhouse is? <laughs> Astronomical. Seems I'm, high. I, I'm not even smart enough to do that fast enough <laughs> to figure that out. <laughs> I'm like, what's a good IQ? <laughs> 140. Like 140. Yeah. yeah. So a bunch of geniuses up in this townhouse here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dylan actually was a jack of all trades a little bit. He also was a massage therapist. So lots of talents that Dylan has. Anyway, back to August 2nd, 2006. So right around 1030, Robert arrived at 1509 Swan Street Northwest, a.k.a. Joseph Price's townhouse. Joseph and Dylan caught up with Robert in the kitchen when he arrived. Victor had already turned in for the night. He actually went up to bed to watch Project Runway. And Dylan and Joseph were in the kitchen just kind of making small talk with Robert, right? Like you would with a friend you're Mm -hmm. catching up with. So they talked about, you know, how's your wife? How you liking the new job? That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Nothing monumental. Robert was very tired. He had had a very long day. So he kind of said, you know what? I want to call it a night. Let's catch up over breakfast or we'll finish up this conversation over breakfast. So that was it. At some point before turning in, Joseph notices a spider on one of the lights outside, and he goes outside to remove it. (gasps) I'm telling you this because when he comes back inside, he leaves the door unlocked. Okay, wait. I just need to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, That's never happened to me or anyone I've ever known ever. Like, who's looking out the window for spiders on um, lights? And and why would you remove it if it's outside? That That belongs to that spider now. Right. That is its home, and he can has it. <laughs> yes, that's why I gasped. Yeah, like, I don't understand. Yeah. Does that fit in somewhere? Yeah. Uh, oh, because yep. he leaves the door unlocked. Because yeah, he leaves the door unlocked. that's super sketch. No, I, I, don't. Do, I don't think it's a good excuse for leaving the door unlocked, because like we said, who is going out to mess with this spider? A psychopath. Yeah, never. No. <laughs> someone, never. Someone who could kill a person. <laughs> yeah, also, I've seen, like, creepy bugs, like, crawl up crawl across my ring camera but i'm not like let me go get them and then leave yeah. my door unlocked and mm-hmm. then my husband gets murdered it's never happened to me <laughs> does that ever happen i to can't you? i can't <laughs> put, put a finger down <laughs> <laughs> i just can't relate i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry okay really- okay after the spider incident we'll call it joseph goes up to the third floor to join victor watching project runway and dylan goes to his room on the second floor and takes a sleeping pill and gets ready for bed robert showered and then went to the office slash guest room which is where he was going to be staying for the night This was also located on the second floor of the home. So to recap, Joseph and Victor are on the third floor. Dylan and Robert are on the second floor. And nobody's on the first floor of the house right now. Okay. Okay. So sometime after they went up to bed, Joseph and Victor swear they heard the chime their door made when somebody opens it. Because they had an alarm system, but it wasn't armed that night. It was the spider. Do they normally arm it? unclear if they normally arm it um i was gonna get to this in a second but i actually think it's really weird that they didn't have the system armed because there had been an increase in break-ins in the neighborhood and police were actually encouraging residents to like lock their doors arm their systems if they had them okay i was just thinking of richard debate where like they hadn't used it in like Mm. eight months and then he was like oh i armed it and it went off and somebody broke in so i was just wondering if that 
was relevant. I do see some parallels, though, mm-hmm. in the two. So they hear the door chime. They don't really think much of it because they have that fourth roommate and they think, you know, maybe uh, she wanted to just sleep in her own bed because who doesn't want to sleep in their own bed? So they just think she came home early from her night out. We know that after Robert took his shower, he drafted two emails on his phone, time stamped at 11.05 and 11.07 p.m. One message was to his wife, you know, basically just saying, good night, love you, that good stuff. And the other was a message to a colleague confirming their lunch plans for the following day. Robert would not get a chance to send either email. Oh. The next thing that we know for sure is that at 11.49 p.m., a 911 call is placed by Victor. I know that it can sometimes be hard to make out the details in these clips, but this is actually a pretty good audio clip. So we're going to play the 911 call. It's most of the call. Um, so we're going to let you hear that now. NBC emergency 911 operator 6752. Do you need police, fire, or ambulance? Oh, What's wrong, ma'am? We just uh, we had someone that was in our house, evidently, and they stabbed somebody. Okay, somebody's inside the house now. I don't know. We heard. Are they bleeding? You see someone yes. bleeding? Someone is bleeding in our house. Okay, where's they bleeding from? Uh, I think he was. I think in the stomach. In the stomach. Is he cautious? Uh, Calm down for me. I'm gonna send some help. Okay. Female or male? It's a male. He's a friend of ours. He was spent, he was spending the night with us. Okay. And who was the person that stabbed him? Do you know? Is I he is, is he cautious? We need an ambulance. Ma'am, listen no, to me. He's not conscious. He's not conscious at all. No. We need someone right now. Is he breathing? Listen, is he... listen to me. Calm down. I'm going to help you. Okay. Is he breathing? I'm upstairs, and he's downstairs. I don't know. Okay. Who's downstairs with him? My partner is downstairs with him right now. He told me to go upstairs and call the police immediately. I just went to the stairs and Okay, who's the person? Okay, I'm sending paramedics and the police. Okay, who's the person that stabbed him? I don't know. We think it's somebody with an intruder in the house. We heard the chime of the door. And it's 15, ma'am, calm down. 1509 Swan Street, Northwest. Am I correct? Yes, it is. The person that stabbed him, is he still in the home? I don't know. We got help in route, okay? Pardon me? We have help in route. Thank you. They're here. They are there in route to you now. the police and the paramedics, okay, to assist. Okay, what I need you to do is go downstairs, okay? The place where, wherever he was stabbed at, I need you to get a dry cloth, okay? And just apply pressure to that area. If he was, wherever he was stabbed at on his body, I need you to take a towel downstairs while you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive and just apply pressure. Even if the rag or towel is saturated with blood, just get another towel and put it on top, but never lift the first towel off the area. Hold it on. Once it gets filled up with blood, just put another towel on top of that and just apply pressure until the paramedics arrive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With that, with that, with the heart. In the heart? Yes. In the center of his Okay. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? We have help him right now, okay? You don't know who it was? No idea. Don't touch, don't touch, just, 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 just
Okay, is he breathing? He's breathing, but he needs help now. Okay, we have help in route, ma'am, okay? We do have help in route. Okay, just go down there and try to tell your husband or your other um, the other half to just try to keep him calm and talk to him, okay? Keep him calm and talk to him until someone gets there. Okay. And at the same time, get a dry cloth and just hold it right there in the area. My partner's holding the okay, it, holding it on Okay, and once it gets saturated with blood, can I get another one? Go get another towel so you can apply it on top of that one once it gets filled up with blood. Okay. We, need, we need you to apply pressure on that area. He is applying pressure right Okay, just hold it there until the paramedics get there. They should be pulling up any moment if they're already en route to your location. You don't know who did this. We have no idea who did this. Is the door open so they can get in? We don't know how they got in. Okay, well, I'm asking you now, is the door open so the paramedics can get in once they get here? What? Sorry. What were you saying? Is the door open so they can get in? Is the okay. door open so the, so the paramedics can get in the home? I'm going to go down. Is this a private home or apartment? It's, it's a home. It's a home. It's 1509 Swan Street Northwest. The person had one of our knives. The person that stabbed him ran out the door with a knife? I, I think so. Uh, okay, anybody get any type of description of the person that came in the home? I have no idea. We have no description. We heard we heard the chime and and we heard the scream from our friends. Okay. And so we came running downstairs. We ran in. So you both was upstairs and your friend was downstairs? Yes. You heard the door open and then you heard the scream? We didn't. I didn't hear the door open until after the scream, and then we ran down the stairs, and we heard, we are, we have an alarm, and so the chime went off. Okay. Is the ambulance, we really need the ambulance. Okay, they in route, they in route now, ma'am. Go to the door, they should be pulling up any moment, okay? I'm afraid to go downstairs. Okay, the person who's downstairs was the person that was assaulted. No, we're in the, we're on the second floor. Okay, so somebody need to go to says open the door for the paramedics. You're not sure if that person's still in the home or not. I have no idea. Okay, we have paramedics in route, okay? What time is it? What time is it at the moment? Yes. 23.54. It's 11.54, ma'am. 11.54. Yes. I mean... I'll stay on the line with you. I will stay on the line until somebody gets here, okay? I won't hang up. We need them right now. I'm not hanging up, but we need, we need help now. Okay, they're in route, ma'am. They are in route. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about what you just heard. Please. <laughs> so that was actually Victor, not a woman. He's yeah. just so distressed that yeah. the dispatcher mistakes him for a woman, and he just doesn't think to correct her. Fair. He's saying we need an ambulance right now. Our friend's not conscious. Victor says he is upstairs, and his partner is downstairs with Robert. Mm -hmm. Victor then tells the 911 operator he thinks somebody broke into the house because they heard the door chime. Mm -hmm. He also says they heard a scream before going to check on their guest. He has no idea if the person is still inside the home. She reassures him that help is on the way and instructs him to grab a dry cloth and apply pressure to the area right where Robert is bleeding from. And she actually repeats this twice to him. Mm -hmm. And she says, if the first one fills up, just get another, mm -hmm. put it on top, do not remove the first rag once it's been put, placed on him. Victor can be heard repeating the instructions to who I assume is Joseph, right? Because mm -hmm. he says that Joseph is sitting with Robert. Um, and Victor confirms that Joseph is doing this. Uh -huh. He says, my partner's doing this. Uh -huh. He also says that somebody took a knife from their kitchen, he thinks. And he repeats that he doesn't know who's in the house, if they're still there, or what exactly happened. He keeps just saying, you know, we need help now. Uh -huh. Where's the ambulance? Oddly, Victor asks the dispatcher what time it is. And she says it's 11.54 p.m. 
there were a couple more minutes to that call where Victor's just kind of talking about the paramedics getting there and he's just a little hysterical. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't play the rest of it. We didn't really miss a lot of detail. Um, but I wanted to make sure I played that much of the clip because I thought it was very odd that he asked what time it was. There were also a couple inconsistencies. I was waiting to see if that was in your list, but because he said at first, so there's three floors there on the second floor. The door is on the first floor, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, so I'm assuming the kitchen is also on the first floor, although that is a major assumption. It is on the first floor. I can okay. confirm. So I don't know how he would know that a knife was missing if he didn't go downstairs. And then second... He said, oh, yeah, we saw him, the person, the perpetrator run out the door, but then they're not sure if somebody's still there. And then also they are afraid to go downstairs. So those were a couple of things besides the weird asking for time that I heard. Yeah, that is really weird. I'm just thinking if I was in like an emergency situation and like focused on keeping someone alive and was like, what time is it? My favorite show's on at midnight. Don't want to miss it. <laughs> Can't miss that. Six more minutes of Project Runway. <laughs> so... We will come back to all of the details and try to fit into the, like what actually happened that evening. But what, what Victor says in the call is important. Okay. The paramedics do arrive on the scene and relatively quickly too, actually. They were there um, about six minutes after the 911 call was placed. Wow. And I want to point out, these were two very experienced paramedics. So between the two of them, they had 25 years of experience on wow. the job. Mm -hmm. They observe Victor standing on the front steps wearing a bathrobe and speaking on the phone, presumably to the 911 dispatcher. They ask him, you know, what's going on? And he doesn't reply to them directly, but he, they hear him tell the person on the phone about a stabbing on the second floor of the house. Cool, we're going up to the second floor. It's what the EMS team thinks. Mm -hmm. So they make their way into the home. They walk to the back of the house to the staircase and then up to the second floor. They encounter Dylan at the top of the stairs, who is acting like a literal zombie. They ask him, like, where the person is, and he kind of just slowly raises his hand and points. He was on sleeping pills? Yep. He was. Yeah. Yep. And as soon as he points, he kind of just goes back into his room and shuts the door and, I don't know, maybe goes back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Side note, Dylan was also wearing a bathrobe. Hmm. The paramedics keep moving down the hall and they get to another room and they see Joseph Price seated on the edge of a pullout sofa wearing only his underwear with his back to the door. He was not applying pressure to Robert's wound when the paramedics got there. In no. fact, he wasn't touching Dude. Robert in any way. No. When one of the paramedics asked him what was wrong, he just said, I heard a scream. What? He got up from the bed and with his back still to the paramedics, he walked over to the side. The paramedics later said that they were actually concerned that Joseph had a weapon on him. Yeah. And they physically, when they walked into the room, they went to the far side of the bed to attend to Robert because they wanted to see Joseph's hands at all times. Um, I don't blame them at all. He had one job. Yeah. Yes, he had one job. They also he said... Had, he had one job. Oh. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> They also said that the behavior was so odd that it literally made the hair on the back of their neck stand up while they oh. were interacting with these men. Ooh. Now remember, two very experienced paramedics. Mm -hmm. so, I'm sure they've seen some shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've, and they've certainly seen their share of stabbings, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and this is D.C., right? It's D.C. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've got to see some crazy shit in D.C. So upon examining Robert, it was really clear that he was dead and mm -hmm. likely had been dead for some time. He had been stabbed three times in the chest, he had no pulse, and he wasn't breathing. The paramedic recalls seeing little to no blood on Robert's chest. It was almost like somebody had cleaned up the area surrounding the wounds. Oh no. 
there's a light film of blood on Robert with striation marks, almost as if somebody had taken a towel and wiped down his chest. Okay. Okay. That is not considered pressure. No, that (laughs) is not not, pressure. (laughs) Does not count. (laughs) So I don't know if it's just protocol, but the paramedics did bring Robert to the hospital where he was unfortunately pronounced dead at 1225 Mm -hmm. a.m. In parallel, while the paramedics are there, uh, Metropolitan Police Department or MPD officers arrived and start processing the scene. The officers noted that nothing in Robert's room seemed out of place. There was no indication that anyone had broken into the house. Nothing was ransacked or stolen. In fact, Robert's Movado watch, mm. his wallet, and his Blackberry, because remember it's 2006, <laughs> were all on an end table at the foot of the bed and they were clearly displayed. There were no signs of a violent struggle occurring and there was very little blood. The police actually only observed two small spots of blood on the bed. They were kind of in a perfect circular pattern and, you know, maybe like quarter or half dollar size. They weren't very large. So that's odd for a stabbing, Uh, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they also noticed something else odd about the bed. It was perfectly made still. I know that after I'm stabbed, I make my bed so that it's presentable for when the paramedics arrive. Oh, that's why the small drops of blood there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to always be looking your best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even on your deathbed. That's right. Uh, deathbed. Makes sense. When I said it was still made, the sheet and the comforter were folded at a 45 degree angle. So like, you know, when ho- a hotel like room service comes in to turn down your room, like mm. folded over like that. And the pillow had just one single indentation on it, indicating that once Robert's head hit the pillow, it had not moved. Hmm. I don't know about you all, but I don't sleep that still. Um, I tend to move a little bit. I, I wouldn't say I thrash in my sleep or anything, but like, I, you know, I roll over, I move. My okay. head does not stay stationary. So I'm laughing because when I first started dating my husband, he would sleep exactly like that though he would Did literally he cross just his arms too? he would like fold one fold it at the 45 degree angle he would sleep and then he would just fold it back in the morning so oh my gosh so it's possible i guess I, is what i'm saying i am a thrasher yeah and after Same. one night's sleep all of the blankets are on my husband's side and i'm like you stole them he's like you pushed them towards me so i would have a million indentations my bed would not be made that is very suspicious very suspicious very suspicious there was another suspicious thing in the room there was a bloody knife found on the nightstand this knife was a match for the one that was missing from the men's kitchen so we're going to talk more about that knife this is all very convenient very convenient very suspicious Mm. On the floor near the bed, evidence technicians found a large white towel. I'm assuming this was the towel that Victor said Joseph was using to apply pressure on Robert's wounds, but the blood found on the towel was really minimal and definitely not consistent with a stabbing. If you guys go and look at the pictures I sent you, Mm. look for the white towel picture. Oh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you said minimal blood, that's not what I was mm-hmm. imagining. So we're going to post the picture of this towel on our Instagram so our listeners can see for themselves um, what we are seeing in the room right now, which is that there's no way this towel was used to try to stop bleeding from anybody who was no. stabbed. I wouldn't even say that it was used. I wouldn't even say that this is the towel that was used to clean him based yeah. on those marks. Like, I mean... I was thinking the same thing, like not nearly enough. Yeah, I was picturing maybe like a splotch, but not like soaked through. Yep. She was saying if it was soaked through, this is like, um, this is like I cut myself shaving and I needed something quick. Like, yeah. That's how little blood it is. Yeah, it's not a lot. No, nope, Nobody died with this white towel. Mm-hmm. 
So a blood pattern slash spatter expert would later examine the towel, and they said that the blood pattern on the towel was actually consistent with the pattern one would expect to see if somebody held a towel in one hand, a bloody knife in the other hand, placed the knife in the towel, folded the towel <gasps> over, and ran the knife blade inside of the towel. That is so deep. Mm-hmm. And it kind of does look like that. Oh. There's a few spots in the photo that are like a little bit darker. So if you think that could be like your fingers on the back of the knife, if mm-hmm. you were holding it. People are so smart. And that s- they would. And other people are so dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. That too. But I mean, that's wow, yeah. the fact that they could like yeah. testify to that is so interesting. Police brought in cadaver dogs. Um, I think everybody knows what those are, but they are dogs that are trained to alert when they find blood or bodies. And the dogs do alert in multiple locations in the house. Can I tell you that I'm glad you explained that because I thought they only went for dead bodies. So I was like, I'm pretty sure they knew. Like, (laughs) what are there more bodies in this house? I'm pretty sure I could go in as an expert and ID that body. Yes, (laughs) yes, that is a cadaver. Yes. (laughs) So I'm glad you explained that. 10 out of 10 experts would agree. (laughs) The dogs alerted in two slash three locations. Two of the locations are very near to each other. So they alerted near the stairwell of the home, right, which we know is kind of pushed back. Mm -hmm. They alerted near a drain outside on the patio, and lastly, near the lint trap for the dryer on the second floor. God, I really hope you're going to explain some of this and connect it, because if not, I'm going to be real mad. It's all (laughs) going to come together in what I think happened. Okay, thank (laughs) you. Good. Okay. The cops don't see any blood where the dogs are alerting, but, you know, they're like, okay, whatever. They, the dogs pointed to over here. Let's just take note of it and we'll follow up on it later. So the officers at this point in time are like, guys, something's not really adding up here. We got to bring you down to the station for further questioning. And to their credit, all three men willingly comply with the officers. And they're actually, they answer questions pretty readily mm-hmm. at first. Dumb, they think, they think they're smart. Yeah. And what have we learned? You shut up. When the cops ask you questions, shut up. So here's the thing. Joseph is an attorney, and he's a pretty prominent one. So keep that in mind Mm. as we talk through all of this. So he should know. He knows. To shut up. You're going to say dumb things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are all questioned separately, but they tell exactly the same story. And that's super sketchy, too. I just want to point out, like, when you tell, like, a rote story, like, if something happened right now, the three of us would tell similar stories Mm -hmm. but we wouldn't tell the same story because we weren't like okay guys what's our story i have this detail yeah Yeah. that's super sketchy proceed so here's what (laughs) here's what they each say Rena's very into this i'm like i'm hanging on your every word i knew that you guys would be super into this i am fascinated by this case i'm 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 yours i'm also laughing because my not our next case that's coming out but the one i do after is similar in that there are going to be so many details like this and i'm just laughing because we seem to do parallel cases because the first time you did a serial killer then i did a serial killer so i'm just laughing at that (laughs) totally we picked them totally unrelated (laughs) that's a great laugh anyways (laughs) here's the tale that they spin for the police tell me tell me they say Robert came by after work. He showered and he went to bed. Joseph and Victor were asleep in their bedroom on the third floor and Dylan was asleep on the second floor. Joseph and Victor awoke to the sound of the door chime. Then they heard a scream or breathy grunts. It kind of changes depending on which one's talking. They ran downstairs to check on their guests. And when they got to the room, they found Robert stabbed. Dylan's version of the story is a little bit different, but I mentioned he took a sleeping pill. Mm -hmm. 
So Dylan says, I went upstairs to bed. I took a sleeping pill. I didn't hear a chime. I didn't hear any screams. I heard commotion and it took me about a minute to come to. And then I went to see what was going on. Can I ask a question? Because it's, it's just burning in my mind. You guys have had roommates. I'm just wondering if it's different because you've had roommates. Like I can promise you in my house right now, if I heard a door chime or a door open, Mm -hmm. I would poop my pants and immediately investigate. And I'm just wondering how legitimate the comment is that they heard the door chime and thought nothing of it because they have another roommate. For me, it's hard because when we had roommates, we didn't have ring or any of that. So it was like, yeah, if a door opened, it was, I mean, I'd probably shout and make sure it's my roommate and I probably knew if they were coming home or not. But if I had ring or whatever I'm assuming it is, I would look and just be like, yep, that's if I were awake and make sure that it's my roommate. So I don't know. I would probably still investigate, especially later. And if I didn't think they were coming home and... Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just wondering yeah. because that just seems so mm-hmm. bizarre to me because I would definitely like I hear my cat sometimes <laughs> and my brain is like, it's a cat. It's a cat. It's a cat. Don't look. And I'm like, no, I got to go check it out. Because yep. it's it, what if it's not the cats and somebody's just lurking in my house? Yep. And I also think it's suspicious, which I think is going to be the word of the day, um, that they said they went down and checked on Robert specifically. Right. Because Dylan and Robert are on the same floor. Yep. And wouldn't you just like check every, I don't know, everybody? Yep. Why go check on Robert yeah. specifically? Yeah. Right. Mm, sus. Sorry to interrupt. I just like, I that just doesn't make sense to me. But no, yeah. I also haven't had a lot of roommates. It, well, it's a good point because even right now, like with me and my husband, we've had a couple of instances where our alarm has gone off in the middle of the night. And I literally jump out of bed, grab a weapon and go run to whatever door, window, whatever is open. And I go see what's going on. God bless you because I just cower and hope that Steve will go take <laughs> this care is, of it. <laughs> this is why I will get myself killed someday yeah. because in like, in real life, if I'm not in a fight or flight situation, I will just be anxious and overthink it. But when I get put in a situation like this, I spring into action. Yeah. So I think you guys want me around if something bad happens. Oh, yeah. I'm the one that gets murdered. Like when I wake up in the middle of the night and I open my eyes and it looks like someone's standing <laughs> over me, I immediately just panic and don't move and close my eyes again and pretend like it's, away. Yeah, yeah. Like, just be like, no one's there. No one's there. No one's there. You're insane. Yeah, so we have very different. <laughs> I would not be investigating nope. with weapons. Nope. Same. Yeah, don't break into my house. We have a hatchet and some knives, and you, you, you're going to meet a very poor end if we catch you. And lots of towels to wipe them off. I'm not wiping anything off. <laughs> so to, to kind of go back to what the men are saying, so Dylan does tell the cops again, Joseph went outside for a second before he went up to bed because he saw a spider or something on the oh, light. Yeah, right. the so again, they're talking about this spider, mm-hmm. which leave it alone. So whether or not it's true, I, I do believe that Dylan is saying this because he's trying to give the police a valid reason why the door was left unlocked. Mm. Okay. Mm. The men were actually at the station for a really long time. Joseph was interrogated for six hours, Ooh. Victor for eight, and Dylan for 12 Okay. The police took note of the demeanor of the men, and it was weird. Mm. Joseph was very arrogant, unconcerned, and self-centered. Victor is tearful, distraught, passive, and then as time goes on, he becomes unhelpful the longer he's held for questioning. (laughs) I I will say, to Victor's credit here, this all happened after midnight, and he's been held at the station for eight hours without sleeping, so I'd probably start to get a little useless after a while, too. I would be hangry and be like, I demand coffee and a McMuffin. <laughs> and a fish fillet. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Do they serve them that early? Because I'd demand one. <laughs> Dylan got the worst of it. Dylan was held for 12 hours for questioning. 
He was unmoved, detached, calm, and entirely unfazed by the situation. How long do sleeping pills last, though? Like, was he still under the influence? I don't know. I, I think it's possible. I, I'm assuming he took something like an Ambien mm-hmm. or a Lunesta, like a legitimate sleeping pill, not like yeah. melatonin or something. So, <laughs> right. Benadryl. I, yeah, like us. Benadryl. Well, so that's pretty legit for me. Hey, we go, we go to Bennyland and we love it. <laughs> I, think, um, I think it was like a legitimate prescribed sleeping pill so i think it could probably last like eight to ten hours yeah because that's just what i'm thinking of like someone who's just sort of out of it like, yeah yeah i wasn't part of this like why are you questioning me this long hmm. you see dylan in a much more favorable light than i do i'm gonna put that out there <laughs> okay. from the beginning i was like dylan dylan hmm. okay. interesting oh because was Did he the- dylan do it was he we don't know i know um, we don't. how high can my shoulders go shrugging <laughs> <laughs> um but he was the one that left the door unlocked uh joseph was the okay, one that left right. the door so unlocked. Dylan, uh, i haven't seen his involvement entirely yet yeah. so i may be on the same page but not yet that's sketchy spider-man no, oh that's not, joseph. not spider-man we- no <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, if Spider-Man was outside on my light, that I would actually go investigate. because um, I would I go would... shoo that away. <laughs> you get out of here, Spider-Man. No, no, Spider-Man. <laughs> this is a Batman house. <laughs> get out. So, so all of this is a little odd, but as we always say, everybody processes information yes. in their own way. You don't true. know how you're going to react until you're in the situation. Very so true. we'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. Okay. As Joseph is being questioned, he does try to play it off like he and Robert were more like casual acquaintances than good friends. But um, he had hosted Robert's 30th birthday party and he also attended his wedding. Mm. That's too much effort to put in for somebody who's an acquaintance. Mm. Like, this is a good friend of yours. Yeah, that's yeah. not casual. No. No. You're like, did you say um, Roger? <laughs> I barely knew him. <laughs> <laughs> the story of how they met actually reminds me a lot of how you and I met, Marina. We, you know, how we were randomly paired together freshman year at our orientation for college. And Robert just claimed him as his friend forever. <laughs> kind of. Joseph was Robert's tour guide oh. when he went and toured William and Mary. And they just kind of hit it off and they had been friends. So these, these guys are like college friends. Mm. They go back several years. We know about that. Yeah, we know all about forever, that. Forever, ever, forever, ever. As I say, is it a grim episode if Marina doesn't sing? (laughs) No. Right. So it's a grim episode. Joseph also says something interesting. I mean, all of it's interesting. But he says he can't imagine Victor or Dylan doing any of this. He says that he knows them better than he knows his own mother. And they wouldn't spank a child who was acting out, let alone kill a man. What kind of a statement is that? A special one. That's a very really, special statement. Who said that? Joseph? Joseph does. And that sounds, okay. that sounds like the statement of someone who would go check on a spider. It does. <laughs> Psychopath. <laughs> and Joseph is held for the shortest duration, right? So six mm. hours. So when okay. he's released, he's very concerned with Dylan and Dylan's well-being. Is Dylan being questioned? Does Dylan know his rights? Does Dylan know his attorney has been contacted? When are you releasing Dylan? Dylan was volunteered as tribute seems that way but isn't it weird that victor is his partner yeah. of almost a decade and he's really concerned about dylan specifically which one's the lawyer joseph okay so it's not it's not victor oh my god names i'm getting yeah, flashbacks so, to, so to the joseph price is the one who owns the townhouse yeah. he is the lawyer okay he's the spider guy he's the spider guy 
Victor is Joseph's long-term partner. Yep. Yep. He's the one that places the 911 call and gets mistaken for a lady. Okay. And then Dylan is the one who takes the sleeping pill. Okay. So Joseph's with Victor, but he's most concerned about Dylan. Yes. And the reason I was clarifying mm, that was if 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 Victor had been the lawyer, I would have thought maybe Joseph was like, oh, yeah, he's okay because he knows what he's doing. But that is not the case. So I retract that. Thank you for Victor. Explaining. Victor was in advertising, remember? Got milk. Right. Oh, yeah. He needs help. <laughs> so when they got released, I read that they actually went to a cozy restaurant. You know, we used to have one of those in New Haven. They had one in the neighborhood in D.C. And they just kind of like casually hung out at the restaurant until everybody was released. And then they went home. Okay. Just, I, again, I don't know how I would behave after I was questioned for the murder of my friend who was staying at mm. my house. But it feels like I wouldn't go out to breakfast. The only, just to play devil's advocate, the only thing I can think of is like, can you imagine going home? You know, like in the I, house. Yeah. yeah. That's so a valid point. I, that's the only thing, but still, I don't, I'd probably have called a friend yeah. or something. Or like maybe it's just one of those, like, I don't know what to do, like, but I'm hungry. I could eat. Like, what let's go to, a <laughs> could go to a diner. So based on the story that they're all telling, it really feels to me like they're making it a point to say all of these rehearsed and coordinated things. Definitely. The door was unlocked. Everybody went to bed. We heard a chime. We heard a scream. (laughs) Curious. Mm. Can I just say it's totally a catch-22, though, because... If everybody said inconsistent yeah. things, they'd be like, ooh, they all said inconsistent right? things. That's super sketchy. But because they all say the same thing, they're like, oh, everybody said the same thing. That's super sketchy. So it really is like a lose-lose when you're yep. in like a murder house. Well, also when it's a suspicious murder house, if this were, if everything actually fit into place, probably wouldn't have this problem. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's like damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't. But. So I've told you all what the men are saying, but what does the evidence say? Mm. Well... There was an autopsy done on Robert Wan. It was done on August 3rd, so pretty quickly after he passed. Mm-hmm. He the, died on August 2nd, right? Uh, I think technically August 3rd, because oh, yeah, it was after it was, midnight. It was 11.54 yeah. in the 911 call. Yes, he, his Good time job. of death was 12.25 a.m. Okay. The deputy medical examiner, Lois Goslinowski, and I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, Bless she you. performed an autopsy on him. I read some excerpts of the autopsy report that was part of the arrest warrant that I mentioned earlier. Still not going to tell you whose it is. And I want to highlight some of the key findings. So let's start by talking about the stab wounds a little bit. Mm -hmm. Dr. Goslinowski commented that the wounds were remarkably clean, symmetrical, and uniform. I had a feeling you were going to say something like that when we were talking about the lack of blood. mm, Sorry, I'm very excited. There were no drag marks, no abrasions or fishtailing, just perfect little slits in the skin. Mm. So is that like he's already incapacitated and they are just stabbing him versus like a struggle where you're stabbing someone? So what I first thought when you first explained all this with the lack of blood everywhere is like, was he dead already? And then somehow like then there was a stabbing to show. I don't know. I can't wait to hear cause of death. I know. Please go on. We should stop We're interrupting so her. We'll, we will get there, ladies. Patience, grasshoppers. Tell me. Think of the cuts that were in Robert's body as being almost made with like a surgical, methodical-like precision. Okay. Each wound was inflicted at exactly the same angle, with the sharp edge of the knife oriented at 10 o'clock and the blunt edge of the knife oriented at 4 o'clock. Laura is trying to make a knife go that way. I will admit I struggled trying to kind of figure out what angle this was. It's going to get more confusing. So keep keep your phone knife for a second. 
all of the cuts, all three of them, were four to five inches in depth. The direction of them was front to back, right to left, and slightly downward. Huh? <laughs> come, come again for Big Fudge? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I really tried to recreate this before you all got Say here. Say it again. Say it again. Mike and I were fake stabbing each other in my kitchen <laughs> before we recorded because we were trying to figure this out. Say it so, again. Okay. Slowly. So each wound was inflicted at exactly the same angle. Yep. Okay. With the sharp edge of the knife oriented at 10 o'clock and the blunt edge of the knife oriented at 4 o'clock. Okay. Okay. All of the cuts were made front to back, right to left, and slightly downward. Okay. So front to back meaning in. I think so. And then what's the second part? Slightly down. Right to left. Okay. So like... That, this is not helpful for a podcast because I'm miming it. Oh, but how do, why down. would you put the... So the blunt edge would go to the right. That's so not how I would stab. I'd stab... If the, if my phone is a knife, it's like this. This is not good <laughs> this podcast is not material. Good for a podcast, not, no. Okay, so 10. So the... And this is I don't know how to make this work on on sound. Do you know Do you know what the best part is? The gremlins are going to be doing this too. Yeah, so okay, now that I'm you've told do them it. phone knife, they're all phone knife. Okay, so phone knife. All right. So this side with my uh, on off is to ten o'clock, and then the other side's to four, and I'm going slightly so in. That's easy. Yeah. I don't know. But the right to left is what kills me. Yeah, like okay. yeah. you would be stabbing with the blunt edge first. Uh, you wouldn't stab like that like if i was cutting yeah i got everything except for the right to left that part i can't understand so i'm gonna say that the deputy medical examiner is legitimate she had Mm -hmm. overseen about 80 to 90 stabbings at this point in time so i'm I'm just trust her i'm not i'm not questioning it i'm just I can't comprehend. Yeah, yeah. I don't have I don't have eighty to ninety stabbings under my belt though. So like maybe with more experience I'll get there. <laughs> but I I can't comprehend how this is working out. Come back on episode one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> None of these stab wounds would have killed Robert or rendered him unconscious instantly. In fact, his injuries would have been incredibly painful, and it would have been next to impossible to not move while this was going on. Okay. Okay, that's, yep, interesting and inconsistent, and there'd be blood places. And not clean cuts. Mm -hmm. A reasonable person would then expect to find defensive wounds on Robert's hands or forearms, or maybe even blood on his hands, right, from grabbing at the wounds where he was stabbed. Hmm. But there was no blood on his hands, and there was no sign of a struggle. Hmm. There were no cuts, abrasions, lacerations, bruises, or any kind of markings to indicate a physical struggle occurred. You're going to tell us cause of death, right? I will. Thank Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) All three stab wounds appear to have come from the same knife since they were so uniform. Okay. So I'll kind of lay them out on the body. The first stab wound was located in his upper chest, almost centered. This one perforated his sternum and his heart at the aortic root. The second stab wound was on the right side of his chest, a little bit lower. This one punctured his right lung. And the third stab wound was in the middle of his abdomen. This one perforated his small intestine, his pancreas, and his vena cava, which is a large vein that carries blood to the heart from other organs. That's really important. (laughs) Jinx. That's all we know. Blood is important. (laughs) But is there, are you guys catching what I'm, I'm building to here? So all of these injuries should have produced a huge amount oh. of blood flowing from the body because they hit this. major organs and veins. Yes. 
I was thinking it. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> really? Because very... you have not had trouble doing that. <laughs> I was analyzing it deeply and I was, processing. I had my eyes shut because I was picturing where yeah. this all was. Oh, I was enjoying Colby's I was pen, pen stabbing oh. diagram. You missed it. Did you need my shut. phone? <laughs> yeah. I, no, I used my own pen knife. It's, oh. a, it's a new oh, model. Knives all over this table. <laughs> so... Remember the, the knife from the kitchen, right? Yeah. That yeah. both Joseph and Dylan are talking about. Right. Dr. Goslinowski concluded that it was highly unlikely that that knife was the murder weapon oh. based on the fact that the blade for that knife was five and one half inches in length. Okay. There was blood on the top of that knife, so it should not have been possible given that the stab wounds were four to five, were inches. Four to five inches. And they said... And they wiped the knife off. Well, and so I was looking at the picture you sent us of the knife, which definitely had blood on it. And that was the one that was in the night on yes. the nightstand, right? Yep. You're gonna go look at the picture now. Which yeah, I thought it was like a drawing. It, it's like it a, is a courtroom drawing. drawing. Yeah, yeah. It's a courtroom drawing. Oh, I Laura's did. like that's such a great picture. <laughs> look at all well, the pixels. Sometimes we have such grainy pictures. I thought it was real. I wasn't even. Oh wow, that really is a drawing. <laughs> We're going to go get Laura a new prescription uh, for her glasses. It's we'll okay, be back. guys. It's okay. I'm driving home. It's fine. Uh, anyway, my point was the... Wait, so did it have blood on it or no? I mean, it does it, in the drawing. Yes, yes but like, it did. did it, okay, mm-hmm. so the, the knife in the on the nightstand with blood on it is the one they said was the missing knife from the kitchen, Correct. but not the one that inflicted the wounds. Highly unlikely. Was okay. the knife that was on the nightstand, did it have Robert Wan's blood on it? Yes, it did. Okay. So oh. they, just, they just dipped it in there? Well, he was wearing a T-shirt when he was sleeping, and there were cuts in his T-shirt mm-hmm. from where he was stabbed, and the knife did not have any fibers from his T-shirt on it, but it had fibers from the white towel on it. Mm. Mull that one over for a minute oh. here. Oh. I don't like this. Doctor, you're not going to like this, though. <laughs> Dr. Goslinowski also found a significant amount of internal bleeding from the wounds, she noted that there was actually blood in his intestines, which indicates that he was alive for some time after the attack occurred, so much so that he was literally digesting his own blood. So how? <laughs> because he didn't move with any of this. <laughs> Did they give him an Ambien? We'll get there. Oh, we'll my get God. There. All right. If, if Dylan can get up and answer questions on an Ambien, then I'm pretty sure Robert's moving from being stabbed. I hate this case. We'd probably feel better if we let Colby give us more information, but we keep interrupting her and be like, where's the information? And she's like, it's I'm coming. trying to tell you. And we're like, no. Okay. Anyways. Okay. You're French, huh? <laughs> no. All right. So we're going we're gonna to move on from the stab wounds and the knife for a second here and talk about some other things that she found. Oh, boy. She observed that Robert had a single petechial hemorrhage in his right sclera, a.k.a. the white of his eye. Oh, from being strangled. Sorry, I'm so sorry. And, and it's okay. And a single petechial hemorrhage in the left lower conjunctiva. So okay. I'm excited though because I also just learned that in my case that I'm doing that that is Watch from strangling. Way too much information about strangling. So as you have both very astutely pointed out, uh, these are things that are consistent with an asphyxial event, like trying to suffocate somebody with a pillow over their head. Oh wow. There were no indications of any injuries that usually go along with this, though. His hyoid bone was intact, and there were no ligature marks or bruising on his neck. 
But like you just said, said, wouldn't that be consistent with the pillow over his face? Because that wouldn't cause the typical mm-hmm. strangulation. Yeah, I would think so. Also, I'm mm. sorry I keep taking your punchlines. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's it's going to get real, real right now. I'm going to okay. try to shut up. You're not, you're not going to be able to shut up. <laughs> you're not. Then sorry in advance. So nothing is adding up here, right? I think we all agree. I can tell by how passionate you are. <laughs> so... How, how did he stay completely still yes, through all of this? I don't because know. if I was being stabbed and somebody's trying to suffocate me with a pillow, I'm not like a corpse mummy not moving. Like I'm thrashing. I'm trying to like yeah. get. I, I need to get out. So tell me about the toxicology report. <laughs> Marina, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I can't. So Dr. Goslinowski found multiple puncture marks on Robert's body, several on the left side of his neck, three marks in the center of his chest two marks on the upper portion of his right foot, and finally, one on his left hand. She was able to confirm that these marks were not made by paramedics or the hospital staff who worked on Robert. These all occurred pre-mortem. Wait, Marina seems to understand what this means, but I do not he know. He was injected with something, and she's going to tell me about the toxicology report. Oh, that kind of... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Puncture. He was... Okay. This okay. is not... An intruder. He was murdered in cold blood. Oh my God. Tell me more. Tell me about this freaking toxicology report before I perish. They they did. They did a toxicology. You're going to perish anyway, but they did a toxicology report. Um, The samples all came back negative. No. What are the marks then? (laughs) So apparently the standard tests, while they screen for a whole host of things, don't catch everything. So think about it like when you go to your doctor for your annual physical, they order like a comprehensive blood panel and there's some normal things in there. But if you yes. want to test for a specific thing, that's a specific test. So toxicology is kind of the same principle. So, so whatever he was injected with would not show up on a standard toxicology report. Okay. So if you don't link this back to any of the people and like drugs that they may have had or drugs they may have had access to um our friendship is over and so is grim <laughs> because it's <laughs> a tall tale so upset it's a tall task for me i'm very upset <sighs> so disappointing but dr goslinowski has she has a theory she thinks she knows what it was oh hit me with it she thinks he was injected with a paralytic agent that I would, would make okay. sense yes exactly yeah I, I don't know why they didn't specifically check for this, but I did read that some of those drugs leave your system so quickly, like it could be within 45 minutes. Oh, wow. So it it may have not been in his system at that point in time. Guys, there's more. Call me. <laughs> Call me. I'm so sorry. You're not sorry. I'm not, actually. This is it's fascinating. So <sighs> All right. Are you ready for this next finding? I'm probably not, but go ahead. So um, a trigger warning for any of our listeners who are sensitive to the topic of sexual assault. You may want to skip ahead about a minute or two here. Dr. Goslinowski collected samples from Robert using a standard sex kit protocol. She did two swabs from his thighs and external genitalia to perianal or the exterior of the anus swabs to anorectal or the interior of the anal canal swabs and two from his mouth slash lip area. Oh, no. Semen was detected on all of the swabs except for the one from his mouth and lips. But here's the catch. It was all Roberts. What? There was zero foreign DNA found on his body. Okay, wait. wait, They found his own semen inside of his anal canal? Yes. 
Oh God, was a turkey baster involved? Like, what's happening? So, so the autopsy, <laughs> as you can tell, such a quick guess. So. As you can tell from Watched Marina's frustration, <laughs> yeah. from Marina's frustration, you could still tell that something is not adding up, and the autopsy certainly does not support the tale that the men are uh, telling. No, not even a little bit. So, what the hell happened to Robert? You're not going to tell me. Nobody knows for sure to this day because nobody has actually been charged for his murder. But there are several theories. Before I jump into the theories, I do want to say that the medical examiner did rule his cause of death as a homicide by the stab wounds. Naturally. Yeah. So it was by stabbing. So here are the theories. Let's start by talking about the intruder theory that Mm. the men keep trying to spin. Debunked. (laughs) Trying to make right off the gate. Okay. So an unknown intruder must have broken into the home and killed Robert. Problem is, this is both highly unlikely and not supported by the evidence, but we're going to talk it through. So this intruder would have had to have scaled a seven-foot privacy fence in the backyard and happened to find the back door unlocked. Okay, could happen. I'll give that to them. Mm -hmm. They also would have had to have brought their own syringes with them, but failed to bring a knife, so they borrowed one from the men's kitchen. Right, because the men's version is the knife from the kitchen is what was used. From there, they would have had to have walked through the dining room, paying no mind to the flat screen TV, laptop, or other valuable items that were clearly displayed, and made their way up the staircase. That staircase was 16 uncarpeted wooden stairs. Mm, Very quiet. So they should Mm -hmm. have made a noise. Correct. Nobody heard a noise come from the staircase. At the top of the stairs, the intruder would have been directly in front of Dylan Ward's room but they would have had to have decided to do a complete 180 and walk 21 feet down the Mm. hall, stop in front of the office slash guest room door where Robert was staying, and open the door. So upon opening the door, they would have found Robert asleep on the sofa and made their way around to the far side of the bed. They would have stabbed him three times, all without Robert attempting to defend himself or moving whatsoever. Once they were done, the intruder would need to leave the room, ignoring all of Robert's valuables Mm. that they passed by twice now, somehow made it silently back down those 16 stairs, out the back door, and back over the privacy fence. Can I just say, when I lived in a condo by myself and an apartment by myself, I was always worried that someone would break in. And my husband was like, listen, this whole (laughs) complex, if someone just randomly breaks in to murder you, it's just your time. And I just sort of took that in and accepted that. And that's sort of that situation. Like, if he just, if the stars aligned... And this mm-hmm. intruder just came in just to murder. I mean, it was just his time. Mm-hmm. I don't accept that. It's very <laughs> unlikely. It's so very unlikely. unlikely. I don't. Yeah. Very unlikely. So none of the men heard any noise coming from the staircase. No one said that they heard a second chime from the door. Right. They all oh. said they heard one chime. Right. I-, I will say it's possible they heard one chime because the door was left open. Like my yeah. system only chimes when the door yep. is opened, not when it is left open. Yep. Right. So it could it could have been that. Also, from my point of view, why did the intruder even know that Robert was here? It, right. It's not like it was his house. He had never stayed there before. Yeah. Like and he's literally the unluckiest person in the whole yes. world right. to and stay there one night and be <laughs> murdered by a random intruder. Exactly. Oh, and the other thing I was going to comment on, which is not specifically related to the intruder. Well, actually, it kind of is because he never sent those emails you said he drafted. Correct. So that leads me to believe that he was awake when he was caught off whatever guard. happened, which is unlikely, again, that it was an intruder because it's much more likely if it had been an intruder, if he had been asleep, he could have been attacked more easily. Whereas if he were awake, 
would right. make some kind of noise and fight or something. So that's an additional theory or addition to this theory. Well, maybe it wasn't a random intruder. Maybe somebody took a hit out on Robert. The perfect, wonderful, doing everything for his community, great person. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Robert had... Yeah, screw that guy. <laughs> Robert had literally zero enemies. Yeah. Um, so in this scenario, somebody would have had to have just hated that he was a perfect, good person. And they would have had a hitman tailing him. And that's why they would have known where to find him. But I just I just don't see it. No. I. It was just something that was put out there to kind of combat, like, well, how would they know that Robert was here? Maybe it was a hit. Don't think so. Mythbusters, like, myth busted. Myth busted. (laughs) Yeah. Which brings me to the most likely scenario of one or more of the men are responsible for Robert's murder, and they all had a hand in covering it up. Mm -hmm. For sure. I'm going to drop a bombshell on you guys right now. Um, I want to tell you what Dylan's real relationship is to the men. Are they a thruple? Dylan wasn't just a roommate. He and Joseph were involved in a relationship. They were both very into BDSM. Joseph was the sub, and Dylan was his dom. Victor was aware of their relationship. He was not against it, but he didn't participate in this. BDSM, not Victor's thing, but he was cool that Joseph had this other arrangement with Dylan. And Joseph and Victor were together. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. In a non-BDSM relationship? In a non-BDSM relationship. Okay. So they they just considered themselves one big happy family trying to coexist and they were just trying to work through their arrangements. So it was no bad blood between them. Like they all knew about this relationship that existed and it was just accepted. It was cool. Um, I wanted to make sure that I shared that little factoid about Dylan liking BDSM because I want to tell you what the police eventually found in Dylan's bedroom. Oh, my God. Lots of interesting things. Various books describing how to inflict pain on others for the purpose of sexual gratification, inflicting electrical shock on others for pleasure and pain, and enslaving others for sexual gratification. I would also like to point out that all of these books had passages highlighted in them. So we know our boy Dylan was reading and taking notes. Oh my goodness. I just want to pause and say, like, to each their own, Mm -hmm. if that's your thing, good for you. But, like, when they discover it because it's the scene of a murder that's when it becomes a problem um yes that's yeah that's where my judgment comes in <laughs> that's where i'm judging a little bit yeah. on, on the topic yeah when there's murders fair. involved that's fair that's a fair line yeah that's that's where my line is with murder he had a, he had another uh, piece of reading material in the room that you might be curious about tell um, me about it they found a copy of the new yorker magazine open to an article entitled late works writers confronting the end Accompanying the article was a photo of William Shakespeare laying dead on a bed, positioned very similarly to how Robert was found. What? But there was more than just reading materials in Dylan's room. There was a whole lot of toys. I'm, I'm going to read a, a pretty long list right here, so just bear with me. There were racks, shackles, metal and leather collars, wrist and ankle restraints, mouth gags, black spandex hoods, assorted clips and clamps, an enema kit, metal penis rings, penis vices, studded penis bindings, dildos, butt plugs, nipple suction devices, and the piece de resistance, an electric shock machine designed to make somebody ejaculate. Oh. Was this in like a trunk or like hung up on the wall, like Red Room Fifty Shades of Grey style? Uh, unclear. I, okay. I am going to just assume that it was put away somehow and not like readily displayed because... <laughs> 
I'm just thinking Dylan seems like a a man who has his taste but doesn't necessarily need to like sprawl it all over the oh, room. Oh, I, I think he needs to sprawl he does, it yeah. everywhere. <laughs> to each their own. I'm also just thinking how expensive all of that must be. They're like really expensive. I mean, they're three pretty successful guys. Yeah. So. yeah, no, they're definitely very smart. It's a lot of stuff, though. Wow. Perhaps the most damning thing they found in Dylan's room, though, was a three-piece cutlery set. The box the set came in was designed to house three items. A large carving knife, a large fork, and a smaller knife. Um, how long was the smaller knife by by any chance? Well, and and did we see the knife? It was missing. Mm. It was conveniently missing from the wow. case. Never would have thought. Kudos to the police though, because they contacted the manufacturer of those knives and they got a replica of what that knife was. And as Laura anticipated, that knife had a blade that was four and one half inches mm. long. So as we had mentioned, that knife much more consistent with the four to five inch depth of the stab wounds. Um, you know, Dylan could have a valid reason for having the knife, though, right? He went to culinary school. I did mention that. He could have lost it because he's obviously not using that degree, right? He's writing children's books. He's a massage therapist, jack of all trades. So maybe he lost his knife. Inside of Robert's body. <laughs> well, there's one more reason why Dylan could have had the knives. He could have been into knife play. So knife play is a form of consensual BDSM edge play involving knives, daggers, and swords as a source of physical and mental stimulation. Knives are typically used to cut away clothing, scratch the skin, remove wax after wax play, or simply provide sensual stimulation. There is no cutting or piercing of the skin with these knives. So this is where I went down the rabbit hole um, with Reddit. Oh. oh. Gosh, no. I, um, I'm I learned, so sorry. I learned a lot of things about BDSM and knife play and um, the the Reddit threads. The the thing I can't unsee or unread the things that I read. Um, but I'm I'm very knowledgeable on the topic now. If anybody wants to talk about it, <laughs> so I was there and I was like, "Fuck it, let's see if playing with paralytics was a thing." Guys, it actually is. <gasps> oh, it is called God. chemical bondage. I found the, the thread on the subject, though, the consensus was it is very dangerous uh -huh. and it should only be done with medical supervision. Mm, the, yeah. the anxiety that that thought gives me is out of this world. Can, can you imagine, no. though, if you're like, oh, my partner and I want to do some chemical bondage. Uh, hey, doctor, can you come be on standby and witness this? <laughs> like, what is that conversation like? I'm gonna tell you what I think happened, and I, I cannot stress this enough. This is my opinion based on the research that I've been doing to prepare for this episode, so please don't sue me, Joseph Price, <laughs> because I know you're a good attorney, and I'm oh. just giving my opinions here. So here's what I think happened. I think that Dylan, and perhaps Joseph, decided to play with Robert, with yep. or without his consent. I think they had the toys and the tools at their disposal, um, I think they used the electric shock toy on him, and that's how mm -hmm. his semen was found on him. I think they injected him with a paralytic agent, and I think that they used this device on him. So that would explain how he ejaculated without being a participant. I have questions about that, and knowing you, you probably researched this. Can you still ejaculate yes. when you've been paralyzed yep. like that? Thank you. Yep. Okay. With that device, you can. I knew you researched. I knew. Yep. Is okay. that like? Is that like if somebody like touches your prostate? Maybe I, I uh, it's that I didn't get that piece of information from Reddit. I just know what the toy is used for. Okay, sorry, just wondering. It's okay. All right, 
I I don't know that they set out with the intention to murder him, though. Mm. I feel like something went wrong or something got out of hand, and I think he or they panicked, and then Joseph quickly devised a plan. He's very intelligent. He I'd mentioned several times he's an attorney. He would have known how to cover their tracks. I think this is why the men delayed the reporting of the crime, because they did. So we know that between 11 and 11.30, the neighbors heard a scream while they were watching the 11 o'clock news. But Victor did not call 911 until 11.49. So there are 19 to 49 minutes unaccounted for. I think the scream that was heard was Victor seeing what was going on. I don't think Victor was involved in the crime. I think Victor became part of it by helping to cover up. Oh, and that would explain why he was so... Because I was thinking when we were listening to the 911 call that he sounded like he was trying to remember. Because he he seemed legitimately distraught. And like he was trying to remember what details in what order to say. why did he ask what time it was? That's still really weird. I feel like to fit somehow into the story about maybe if they were asked like what time they heard the scream or something like that to try to say it was yeah. Robert's scream or if there was some way to check when the doorbell chimed. I mean, it's 2006. I know like currently in 2022, I can see like a log of when my doorbell goes mm-hmm. off. I don't know if the technology was that advanced at that point in time, but maybe they were trying to match some things up. But they mm-hmm. did have clocks they at that time. They did have clocks, yes. <laughs> so I'm perplexed as to why he had to ask about the time. And cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. A million things. Yeah. Wristwatches. Yeah. Those all, <laughs> those are clocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 19 to 49 minutes is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Sure is. It's enough time, in fact, to clean up, go outside and wash off with the hose, throw your wet clothes in the dryer, change into a robe, take the clothes out of the dryer. So I have given a reason now for why all the men look uh-huh. freshly bathed, why they were all wearing a white robe. They were not a part of a cult. This was just <laughs> what they chose to put on after they got out of the shower. It would also explain why the dogs alerted at the drain in the dryer. Yes. Because I, Robert's blood yep. would have gone down the drain, and if there was anything left on the clothing, it would have gotten caught in the lint trap of the dryer. Okay. I originally thought that was maybe the towel related to the towel, but I feel like they would have been able to figure that out. I don't know. Hmm. I think the spider thing was an excuse. I do not yep. think there was actually a spider on the light. I think they came up with a reason for why despite the police issuing this warning to yep. be careful in the neighborhood that their door was left unlocked this night. I, I really think the men discussed what they were going to say and then they called 911 when they were ready to call 911. Mm-hmm. So to Laura's point, it does sound a little bit like Victor is trying to remember things. He's repeating several statements to the dispatcher. When they all get interviewed, they tell very uniform, similar mm-hmm. stories and they're all repeating the same facts. I also think that him asking, Victor asking repeatedly, like saying, oh, he needs help, repeatedly asking that is to make it seem like he's still alive right. and there's a chance. Because if mm-hmm. they're, I mean, yeah, you probably would still want them to come quick, somebody to come quickly if you have a dead person. But if you have someone that maybe can live, you're like, oh, yeah, get the paramedics here. So I think that was part of it too. So whose arrest warrant was it? It was Dylan's arrest warrant. Mm-hmm. So in October of 2008, he was charged with obstruction of justice. That knife, mm. that knife, though. Police released it 
they released the um, arrest warrant. It's the one that I had read, all 14 pages. So they released it actually hoping the men would turn on each other mm. because there's a lot of details in there. And it didn't work. They were in a committed relationship, the mm. three of them. Like, it, they, they weren't going to turn on each other. They're in it for the long haul. They're family. And snitches get stitches. <laughs> snitches get stitches. Anyway. A month later, Joseph Price and Victor Zaborski were also arrested for obstruction of justice. Oh. In December, the police added a charge for conspiracy. They felt like the men were not telling the truth about what happened that night. Mm-hmm. Duh. Like, <laughs> duh. We're all on the same <laughs> page yep. there. So we know that these things can take a while. So the proceedings, even though they were charged in 2008, didn't start until June 17th, 2010. Mm-hmm. On June 29th, 2010, a judge found each of the men not guilty of these charges, so not guilty of conspiracy, not guilty of obstruction of justice, or tampering with evidence, which at some point got tacked on there, but I couldn't tell when. Judge Leibovitz, in explaining her ruling for almost an hour from the bench, stated that she personally believed that the men knew who killed Robert, but she was not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that they committed the offenses they were charged with. But obstruction of justice seems like a really good fit there the problem seems to be that there's three of them and it's hard to say who did what to be charged with oh but i mean god obstruction of justice that's like such a like you know the truth and you're impeding the truth like how did that not fit with all of them but how much time do you get for something like that anyway like is it significant I just Googled uh, DC laws because I'm obviously not familiar with those. Uh, but obstruction of justice, if you are convicted, you can get a minimum of three years and uh, up to 30, which is wow. less than a murder charge, but still would be something better than nothing. Right. And not not enough that the judge shouldn't have felt that there was enough yeah knowing that they know who she thinks that they know who did it and they're not telling how like how is that not enough not that i've like analyzed the elements but like Mm. i'm frustrated (laughs) but you're intrigued both both of those i'm verklempt i told you i'm verklempt there there was one more lawsuit um robert's widow Catherine, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the men Um, And she based it largely on the details of the police affidavit that was released. So her lawsuit alleged that the defendant's negligent failure to rescue Robert after he was injured, defendant's destruction of evidence of Robert's murder, and the defendant's conspiracy to destroy evidence and obstruct the police investigation into Robert's death. I'm surprised she went after the police. I'm sure there's a strategy for all of that, but... I didn't think that really factored in. She was saying they, the men conspired to obstruct the police's investigation, oh. not that the, yeah, sorry. Oh, got I, it. No, 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 that makes sense. Yep. That lawsuit, so that was filed on November 25th, 2008. The suit was settled outside of court on August 3rd, 2011 for an undisclosed sum. Hmm. Interesting. That's all she wrote, oh. guys. That's it. That's the Man. mysterious murder of Robert Wan. We are going to post some case photos on our Instagram, as always, to try to help you all decide for yourself what you think happened. Um, I shared a bit of what I thought happened. Is there anything, Laura or Marina, any additional details just piecing together or any questions that maybe we didn't answer? Well, one thing I want to say is I'm no longer pre-mad. I'm just (laughs) mad. Just mad. (laughs) I'm just mad. I'm mad because it feels so obvious, 
but I see the fact that there are multiple people. I see why it's complicated, but it just feels like just feels like there should have been a conviction. I do have a question. Where was the blood? The blood was outside in a drain. Where was the drain? The drain was in the back patio, so it was outside. Okay, so like literally if they hosed themselves off on the back patio. And I assume they searched the house because they found that cacophony of (laughs) sex toys. There was no vials of paralytics, no alcohol wipes, no needles, no nothing. The only drug they found in the house was ecstasy. And Hmm. I think a little bit of marijuana in Victor and Joseph's room, but I saw some conflicting Hmm. things. No paralytic agents. Um, The hose that you mentioned, though, there was a hose out by the drain and it was unraveled which the police actually thought was kind of weird because the men seemed to have everything in the house so meticulously Mm. kept. So it was a little weird that this hose was unraveled outside, but they never followed up on where the dogs alerted. (sighs) I'm just mad. Yeah. I'm just mad, period. I think that your theory is very good. Me too. I find it very interesting. I agree that Victor seems genuinely distressed but his statements are inconsistent and sketchy. Mm -hmm. And that would make sense that he was helping to cover up Mm -hmm. his lover's murder. Mm -hmm. I like, so they're all just free. Yep. They're all free. Um, Dylan, when he was served with his arrest warrant, he had actually moved to Miami. He was living in some penthouse condo that Joseph Price owned. So they're, they're still out there. That's why I jokingly, but not jokingly said, please don't sue me, Joseph. Um, because they're they're free men. Nobody wow. has ever been charged with Robert's murder. And Robert was really good friends with Joseph. Correct. That's how he originally ended and up there. That's in that how house. he originally ended up there. Yep. Wow. And I had mentioned he wanted to stay with a different friend, but she couldn't host him. So again, right, we we talk about this, like imagine what could have been with mm. that just like one decision. Wow. Oh, there was one other thing too, um, that did happen. I don't know if it's like several weeks maybe after this, um, but Joseph's younger brother, I believe his name is Michael, broke into the townhouse and he stole some things, like some electronics and whatnot. But as Joseph's brother, he didn't want to press charges. But he hadn't done that before. This was the first time that that house had ever been burglarized. So I almost wonder if it was sort of like like a ploy to be like, Look, somebody broke into our house. It happens. I don't I don't really mm. know what the purpose of it was. I couldn't really fit it into this other than some people were trying to speculate that it was Joseph's brother, but there's literally nothing that puts him at the scene. He wasn't there for any of this whatsoever. Mm. I just I I really am having such a hard time swallowing even you have laid you have set forth a very plausible mm. explanation. But these are very smart, very intelligent, very accomplished men. And again, to each their yeah. own, it would just shock me that these two guys would be like, let's take this unwilling participant who is our good friend and mm-hmm. paralyze him and play with him. And like, it just still doesn't even fit for me. Obviously, I do, I do not think it was an intruder. I do believe right. that these men, based on the evidence that you have presented, I believe that these men were involved. I just like... I'm having a hard time swallowing a story that would be okay in my mind. Agreed. And the only thing, if I could get past that, the only thing I think is that if Joseph was smart enough to know what would make it difficult to be convicted, that kind of lends itself to why they weren't convicted. I mean, yeah, and they were successful in, in, in their plan, but... 
if time travel ever becomes possible at some point in time, like I, I want to know what happened here. I want to just go sit on their pad. Well, I should stop the murder actually from occurring. Um, <laughs> But, but then, yeah. oh, then we wouldn't have this podcast. Then we wouldn't have this. Well, this episode. And my question remains, though, that doesn't explain how his own semen got inside of him. I think it was on the electric shock device. And oh, I that goes think... inside of a body? Yes, it goes inside of your rectum. Oh. Goes in the bum. Naturally. But... That, that, lends, uh, that lends credence to my whole prostate. I was just yes. going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. That yeah. seems like a great note to stop. Yeah, that's on. the end. <laughs> Prostates, electrodes, the end. Hey, get your prostate checked. So Same uh, PSA. Yeah, PSA. <laughs> if uh, if you're loving Grimm, and I think it would be impossible to not love it after this episode, uh, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. If you want to see case photos, follow us on Instagram at Grim Crime Podcast. If you want to give us a case suggestion or just say hey, send us an email at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Listen, learn, and stay alive. Until next time.